in the dark woods, deep in the undergrowth. Someone was planning a murder. Discussing the case, later on, they would all say that she seemed so small, so unobtrusive, that you wouldn't think that she seemed like a ruthless murderer at all, if you even knew that she was there. She blended in perfectly to her surroundings with her thin brown hair and her harmless appearance. It was the perfect disguise to get close to her prey, and most people would never even know her name. But finally, the truth can be revealed in Season 1, Episode 4 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, a podcast dedicated to ladybirds. to season one episode four of hidden wings and bloodlust now unforeseen circumstances have meant that i haven't been able to release the episode that i was originally planning to do but i did have an amazing experience yesterday which i'm now going to talk about instead so yesterday on saturday the 7th of september i went to a biological recording event led by kieran brown from the field studies council at a private nature reserve called perryvale wood in perryvale on the outskirts of london the Selborne Society was set up in 1885 to protect birds and it manages this reserve, which is around 28 acres, mostly of woodland, but also other habitats such as ponds and meadows. Most of the day was taken up with walking around the woods and seeing what we could find. There are also talks and looking at specimens and seeing what other people had caught. Yesterday, I found a number of ladybirds at the nature reserve. For example, myself and a friend who belongs to the Selborne Society found Nephus quadrimaculatus, the four-spotted Nephus ladybird. I also saw Stethrus bacillus, the UK's smallest ladybird, the dot ladybird, which will be discussed in a future episode, along with Rhizobius latura and a 24-spot. I also found a harlequin and a 7-spot. In addition to this, I found a ruby-tailed wasp, a millipede, several species of spider, the biggest aphid I've ever seen is really something like a monster aphid that one was like huge 
absolutely enormous, and much more. It was my first time to going to one of these events, but I did thoroughly enjoy it. I learned a lot, and it was really my first time recording in an organised event, taking samples and so on, rather than just walking along the path and finding ladybirds and other insects just by walking. This was a lot more professional. So at these insect recording events, they provide you with equipment such as a hand lens to view the insects up close, and glass tubes and pots to put the insects in. A lot of people also have a tray or umbrella where they hit or shake the branches and catch whatever falls out. If you tap it sharply, a lot of beetles will just fall off and play dead. And that's exactly what happened to two ladybirds from the species I'm going to introduce you to today. Although I must add, these specimens were not found by me, but by Yvonne Couch from the Essex Field Club. I was a little bit worried about bashing up these bushes. But in general, this isn't really damaging to the insect and they usually do get released afterwards. However, if you do go to this type of event, then you should be aware that they do kill things sometimes. That is generally to preserve them for scientific purposes or if something can't be identified for whatever reason. I don't really like to kill anything, so I let most of mine go, apart from a spider, a fly and a weevil, which I gave to other people to identify and preserve. However, as far as I know, no ladybirds were harmed in the making of this show. So before we start, I want to explain something about ladybirds. All of the ladybirds I've discussed so far in the show are what's called conspicuous ladybirds. That means you see it and you know it's a ladybird because it's got its little spots, it's big, it's brightly coloured and so on. Um, Seven spot, 22 spot, harlequin, two spot, pine ladybird, eyed ladybird, you know, you name it. But there is another type of ladybird. One that's less obviously a ladybird when you look at it. And these are called inconspicuous ladybirds. Although they're part of the cochinellidae, you wouldn't really look at them and think, oh yeah, that's definitely 100% ladybird right there. That's, that's definitely what it is. You probably wouldn't even think it was. There are certain things that give them away, like the shape, the way the antennae look and so on. But they tend to be very small, often not really brightly coloured, and they're often quite hairy as well. And today's ladybird is one of these, Rhizobius latura. It's probably the most common ladybird you've never heard of, and at one point was one of the six most common species in the UK. But I had little idea it existed until the last year or so. It didn't even have a common name until quite recently, and was known only as the Latin name, despite the fact it has been well known as a UK ladybird for a long time. And yesterday was the first time I've ever knowingly seen one. Once again, I'm very grateful to Yvonne for showing me this ladybird. Rosobius latura is a small brownish-red ladybird with fine hairs all over its body. It's about two to three millimetres long. If you saw it, you wouldn't necessarily think it was a ladybird. It has some small, dark, indistinct patches on its elytra, and they sometimes form a horseshoe-shaped mark. Its antennae is slightly long for a ladybird, and it's been given the name Pointed Keeled Rhizobius as a common name because it's how you tell it apart from another very similar ladybird called Rhizobius chrysomyloides. So the posternal keel is a feature on the underside of the ladybird in the middle of the thorax, sort of in between the front pair of legs and the head. It's a raised triangle. In Rhizobius latura, it's very elongated, pointy and triangular, as opposed to it being round with chrysomyloides, which has become known as the round-keeled Rhizobius. The way to tell them apart is to look at the ladybird in depth, 
turning it on its back and then examining it under a microscope if you can get the ladybird to stop running around for a second. But luckily there is another way you can generally tell. Rhizobius latura tends to have slightly redder colouring and smaller dark patches. You can also often tell by the habitat. Rhizobius latura tends to be found on grassland, lush vegetation and in shrubs and bushes in woodland. Whereas Chrysomaloides usually is found on trees, especially conifers. Rhizobius latura is larvae and pupae, a yellow, and covered with fine hairs. In the winter, the ladybird hibernates in vegetation, close to the ground. The two ladybirds found yesterday of Rhizobius latura were both low down in ivy in the woods, although they are occasionally found in trees. While researching this episode, I found that Rhizobius latura's wings can significantly vary. In one form, the ladybird's wings are fully developed and it can fly properly, but in the other form, they form a sort of ribbon-like structure, meaning that it can't fly, and that's a condition known as brachypateri. In the UK, it does seem to be the majority of these ladybirds can't fly, although it varies regionally. In one study, only 6% were found to have wings, but in another study, 28% were found to have them. But that isn't the case everywhere because on the Italian island of Pianosa, near Tuscany, it was found that all the ladybirds had wings that developed normally. Rhizobius latura is one of only two species of Rhizobius ladybird to be native to Europe. The other ladybird that's native is Rhizobius chrysomoloides. It's not native to the UK, it was only found there in 2000, but it's only native to southern Europe. I'll talk about it separately on another episode, as I'm really sure there's a lot more to say about it, but perhaps that will be in an interview, as I've already said quite a lot about it. Two others have established themselves in recent years, Rhizobius lepanthae and Rhizobius forresteri. There'll be more on both in future episodes. So Rhizobius latura is quite a mysterious creature. It isn't really like the ladybirds we've talked about so far on the show. It's kind of difficult to see and to tell apart from some of the others in the Rosabius genus, the sort of grouping that they're all in. So what does it eat? Well, drumroll, you'll be very pleased to know that it eats aphids! What a shocker, eh? Never would have guessed that, never. It is also known to eat rust and moulds. In Chris Reed's chapter on Cochinella D of Buckinghamshire, which is where I live, I live in Buckinghamshire, it was found feeding on fungi in Langley Park. So, there's obviously a lot more to be discovered about this ladybird. Despite its small size, it's clearly very useful in eating aphids. And the fact I was able to see it yesterday was amazing, and it made me think, I've probably seen it before, but overlooked it. As I said a few weeks ago, you never know what you'll see if you just have a look outside, and there's always a lot more to find. Even weeds and bits of grass that don't really look like anything, don't seem to have anything on, can be a bit of a treasure trove. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, or sign up to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash hidden wings and bloodlust. Or you can send me a message on Instagram at 365.ladybird. The music at the start of the show is Boardroom Walk by Casquetcaxpistapirgo, and the music at the end is by Deborah Torrance. See you next time and bye for now.